The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Modern Adventurer podcast, where explorers and adventurers tell their stories. Coming up. You are making all these noises. Um when I'm stuck in, the, in this hammock and bearing in mind first night my machete my bow and arrow was outside and it turned out that there would be an armadillo that had gone underneath my hammock and it was using my hammock as a sort of shelter and things like this and this jaguar was circ- circling me going in and out and making all these horrible noises that it makes and it finally like pounced I'm John Horsfall, and on this weekly podcast, we talk to adventurers and explorers from around the world who have made remarkable and daring journeys in recent years. From Everest climbers to polar explorers, world record holders, and many more. I hope this podcast sparks ideas and inspires you to explore and go on an adventure of your own. But before we start, if you're enjoying the show, sign up to our monthly newsletter at zebraadventures.com where I'll show you behind the scenes, I do giveaways and offering you the opportunity to come on an adventure. This episode, we are talking about the Amazon rainforest and the insane expedition my next guest had there. From alone in a hammock as a jaguar circled her to the haunting sounds of the Bushmaster snakes, the Amazon rainforest can be a hostile environment. To tell us her story, I am delighted to introduce Lucy Shepherd to the show. Hi, John. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Well, your background's very much in TV at the moment, um, but I suppose the best place to start is about you and how you got into doing all these adventures. Um, I suppose I was always quite, um, well, I was always labelled the adventurous child. Uh, I was the one who used to like climbing trees as high as I could. And I used to really get a thrill from looking at adults' faces and um, making them scared. And that was like my little kick. Um, But other than that, when I was at school and things like that, people would label me shy and quiet, which I really hated. Um, And then I always felt that when I came back into the garden, when I was exploring on my own, then that's when I really felt adventurous um and like everyone else when I got to a teenage year I tried to try to fit in tried to do what everyone else did and stopped climbing the trees stopped getting that sort of adults being shocked by what I was doing and um I kind of lost my mojo lost that thing that made me you know a bit different and uh, I was about 15 when I went up to Scotland to something called the Ridgeway Adventure School which is a uh, Scottish 
they sort of teach you how to survive in the wilds of Scotland. You go kayaking, you go hiking. And it was there that I actually heard the word expedition for the first time. And I found that I was actually quite good at going on to, into the mountains and being like uncomfortable. Um, and I really enjoyed all that sort of thing. So after that, I latched on to that word um, expedition. And I was sort of determined to go on and to find how, how else could I do more expeditions that weren't just these mini, mini things of an adventure school in Scotland. Um, so that's where it really started. And that was, it was my mission to go find, find an expedition, really. Um, and I was, I was probably about 16 or so when I started looking properly. So you've been doing this for the last 10 years or so? Yeah. So um, my first proper expedition, I suppose, was... Um, well, it was, I was lucky enough to get onto one of the British Schools Exploration Society um, trips when they were doing these extreme ones. So it was just myself and ten, uh, nine other people, and we went off to Svalbard for 10 weeks when I was just 18. And that really had a massive impact on me, as I'm sure it would most people. But the big thing for me was I found that I could be this person that I never knew I could be. And I really wanted to hold on to that because as soon as I got back, everyone kept saying, you know, wow, what an amazing once in a lifetime experience that was. You know, you must be so proud to have done that once in a lifetime adventure. And um, the only thing I could think of is, are you, are you serious? Like if that's a once in a lifetime, then I'm only 18, then it's all going to be downhill from here. And that was like the start of me realizing maybe you shouldn't listen to people, what other people say, um, because I did listen to people for a while and I believed them. And uh, I sort of went low, got quite low for a while, thought that, you know, I just had this best experience that was just not going to happen again. You know, how could that ever happen again? No one was saying it could. Um, and it wasn't until I met other explorers, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was exposed to explorers when I was younger or anything like that. My parents, very ordinary jobs, um, that I realized that actually if I wanted this enough, then I could really persevere. Um, it's not like I had the main massive skills or anything like that. I wasn't skydiving when I was a kid or, you know, um, so I just sort of made it, I just tried and tried and tried and exposed myself to as many adventures as I could from a young age, really. So what was the sort of kick that lifted you out of what you're doing now and into adventure? Was there something that sort of triggered it? Um, I suppose it was when I when I was quite getting quite low. I met Neil Lawton. Do you know Neil? Oh, you might you must know, um, who does the Scientific Exploration Society. And I met him when I was about nineteen, and I heard about what he was doing. I heard about his adventures that he'd done. He'd done all the seven summits, and he does some eccentric expeditions as well. Um, and we swapped um, contact details, and then. A few months later, I got an email from him inviting me on an expedition to uh, the Hardangavida in Norway with him, himself and a bunch of other ex-Special Forces guys and me. So I'm just 19 and he's invited me and I'm thinking, wow, this guy is you know, really taking a risk on me here to invite me on something like this with this team. Um, and I went on that and you know, pulled my weight. It was, you know, more than capable and came out thinking, right, this is something I am going to do. Um, I think I can do it because the main thing is believing in yourself, isn't it? Uh, and we all have our off days, but if you can put your energy and motivate yourself as much as you can, then I think you can slowly, slowly move forward. So that was just it. I just started doing little, little and often all the time, gaining more skills, started mountaineering, 
um, started just knowing how to look after myself in different environments because I never really wanted to specialize. Uh, you know, I love, I love the cold and now I love the jungle as well. And I love high altitudes. So yeah, I, I've maybe I've got no, the, all the gear, no idea who knows, but <laughs> I just, I just can't, can't get enough of every environment, I think. So the jungle is one of your recent expeditions that you've done. What was that about? Um, so when it was about 2014, when I first went to the jungle and that was in Guyana as well. And it was on that trip, I I'd had a f maybe a few years of doing Arctic expeditions and high altitude expeditions. And then I thought at 2014, um, I want to go to the jungle because this is an environment I've always wanted to go as a kid. You always want to go to the jungle with all these, the wildlife and the, uh, the fruits on the trees, and these beautiful waterfalls. So I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on a um, expedition there. I'm going to uh, meet some tribesmen and I'm going to join them on a hunting trip. So I did that for a month. And long story short, on the first day of being with these guys, there was a jaguar outside my hammock and the guys, there was only with two of them. They had they had put their hammocks like quite far away because uh, <laughs> they wanted to like respect the privacy. And they thought that that would be fine. And there's this jaguar making all these noises um, when I'm stuck in, the, in this hammock. And bearing in mind, first night my machete, my bow and arrow, was outside, and it turned out that there would be an armadillo that had gone underneath my hammock. And it was using my hammock as a sort of shelter and things like this. And this jaguar was circling me, going in and out, making all these horrible noises that it makes. And it finally like pounced for it and went for it, went off into the bushes. And in the morning, because um, I was too too afraid to scream or yell or anything like this, and I said to the guys, you know, I heard these noises. Well, what could it be? And they come up to me and they look at the ground and look up at me and they just say jaguar. And I was like, okay. Um, and that kind of gave me a little bit of nerve, nerves throughout the whole jungle experience. You know, if you're ever trekking in the jungle, I don't know if you've been, but it's, you know, it's claustrophobic, it's dark. You can't get to the fruits and the trees. They're high up. And um, it does take a lot of sort of non, you say, you never, you always say like, you don't fight in the jungle. You have to go with it. And so I put the jungle aside for a few years and it was last year, um, or maybe two years ago now, I started to think, you know, I'm doing all these expeditions, but it's not making me scared enough. You know, I, I feel like I kind of know what to expect, even in these pretty frightful situations. I thought, oh, I'm just going to have to go back to the jungle, aren't I? It's, it's, it's that thing that's missing. And I didn't have much time um, to go. So I started thinking of where I could go sort of in a four week period. And I got in contact with a um, guy who I knew out there and he suggested this mountain range in the Kanukus and that's where it all started I I really like starting expeditions that I've never in places I've never heard of or they sound quite magical and remote and you know all of this and the Kanuku mountain range did did just that for me and uh, I got managed to get someone who had gone to the country because um, you can't post service doesn't work you have to get someone who goes to the country to come back with a map. And so I got this really old map. I think it was from the, the 1970s or something like that. Really trusted this map and had a look at it on the table and it was just full, full, full of mountains, I'm telling you. And obviously the jungle mountains are different um, to the mountains 
we we sort of familiar with um but it makes with a bit of jungle on it it just makes it so much harder um to travel through uh, so jungle is hard to get through obviously add a mountain in really really hard to get through and so I was looking at this map and I was like okay and um I basically headed out there last this time last year I was meant to only go with two Amerindians that was the idea um I was meant to go and find them when I got there but as soon as I did get there the last point of civilization uh, I get a knock at the door and there's two Amerindians who I'm not expecting you know I'm not expecting anyone and they are looking very, very pissed off and very angry. And they have heard that I'm coming to their jungle, their area. Um, and they live underneath the Kanuku, like in the shadows of this Kanuku mountain range. And they've heard I'm coming to cross this mountain range. And they think, you know, who am I to cross a mountain range that they've lived under their whole lives and always dreamt of doing, which is completely fair point. I hadn't even considered that maybe other people wanted to join me in this quest. And... They're just very, very, very angry that I'm coming here. And so I'm like, okay, let's sit down. You know, um, let's see see what you're at, what you're doing. And I agree to take them with me um, as long as they can leave tomorrow. So this thing they've been dreaming of their whole life, they have to go and tell their family that they're going to go and do it suddenly. Um, and also that one guy from a sort of tribe that they don't get on with so much can also come because he's someone who I chatted to beforehand. And they agree to that, but they also say, well, they want two other friends to come as well. So suddenly I've gone from a team of three to a team of six <laughs> and I go and pick them up and we we drive in a four by four to the last tribal village where I'm picking the guy I planned to, to get. And this guy that I planned <laughs> to get, he's a, he was just absolutely drunk out of his mind um, and just falling over himself. And so there I am thinking, oh, gosh, I'm glad I've got all these other guys as well, because um, my plan didn't go 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 to plan. Um, but sure enough, you know, just before we're about to get into the deep, deep jungle, um, the, run, the rum runs out. Rum is a very popular one there. And uh, the dynamic of the team improves. Um, we all get on like a house on fire. And it's an amazing thing that having that common goal of adventure and of exploration can bring people who, you know, maybe, I mean, one, there's me, who obviously is the complete outsider in terms of where I'm from, in terms of um, race, in terms of gender, all these things. Um, but also the guy who's from the different tribe who, you know, those two, those two have a history of just not getting on. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about being in these environments and having that adventure together and sharing these experiences can do because by the end of it it was just awesome to have friend you know friends for life that you know we, we've all shared that we all know what everyone went through on those weeks and yeah now planning on going back with the same guys and doing something much much bigger so when is the plan to go back so, I mean, if lockdown and COVID lets me, um, I'm meant to be going out in September uh, this year, so 2021. Um, and I mean, it's a one-way ticket because I have no idea how long it's going to take. No one's, no one's done it before. So, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting between five to 10 weeks. That's how broad it is. Uh, we really don't know what we're going to encounter. Um, but I'm basically going to be crossing the whole of the Kanukus, but east-west, which is basically spans the whole entire country of Guyana instead of just going from south to north. So 
got my permissions and all that sort of thing. And now just got to be allowed to fly, really. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited, but um, it's, I have those moments of thinking, what am I doing? Like, I think the jungle, the longer you expose yourself to it, um, the more dangerous it becomes, I think. So, yeah, we'll see. For people listening, what is the jungle like to be in? What's the sort of environment on a day-to-day? It's the first few days slash weeks of being in the jungle is very overwhelming. There's so much to think about and your brain is on overdrive, very different from being in the cold environments. To give you an example, we all know that we have to watch out for your feet where you're stepping because snakes and things like that, then you've got to, when you're trekking in the jungle, you'll go in a single file, but you have to keep quite um, a lot of distance between each other in case someone goes into a wasp nest or a bee's nest or a snake or a jaguar and you don't, you know, you've got to have enough distance. And because you need that distance, you need to be paying attention where they're going all the time. So they, you're going through very, very dense jungle and they can move like just anything. They can go really quickly through the jungle. Um, but someone like me, it just takes a bit longer to figure out one where they've gone because uh, you're ducking under and you're, going, you're not making many tracks at all. Um, so you're doing that. At the same time, you're trying to use your hands to hold on to the trees and things like that. But the trees often have these massive, massive spikes on them <laughs> and that you just do not want. You know, if you, if you touch it, the spikes literally come off into your hand and it just hurts. So hell, so you've got all these things that you have to worry about. Um, and so, but then after a while, you realize that your brain subconsciously takes it all in without you having to think suddenly. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens because you can only concentrate, you get to concentrate on one thing and your brain is taking care of everything else. Your brain is sort of realizing that that's got spikes on without you even looking. Um, and it is amazing how powerful that can be. Um, and then once you've got it, then it's just, it's just a great, great experience once you know how to, how to live and not just survive, but thrive in the jungle as well. We had Benedict Allen on last week and on the show and he had quite an interesting story from the Amazon and how hostile it can be at times. You definitely realize that everything has a defense mechanism because it needs to, to survive and everything kind of has some sort of fight in them, no matter how tiny they are. And you realize you need that too. Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely survival of the fittest um, and the most adaptable, I guess. Yeah. And so with um, these sort of trips and expeditions, I mean, you must sort of come across some incredible sort of moments. Like when you were traveling through the jungle, did you come across sort of remote tribes or? Um, There was actually, I I have to say, this is never, it's never the intention to go and find the remote tribes in these areas because they are uncontact, you know, you're not meant to contact them and things like that. But I had heard um, that there was potentially about two dozen, three dozen um, people living in these mountains uncontacted uh, that used to be in a tribe that the guys I was with um, were. So they would probably speak a similar language. Um, And so we didn't come across them like specifically, but we found writing 
on the trees that would have been then. We found some, you know, old pottery. And I think the trip, the expedition that we do next year, or this year now, um, it's high chance of bumping into them. Um, so I, I, it's a little bit nerve wracking. Like it's not. It's. <laughs> I know. I think you said Benedict Allen. He he's bumped into these guys a lot um, in his expeditions, but. Um, now, I think that the moments that really stand out on the trip last year weren't necessarily tribal things, but it was uh, wildlife. We just had one day of everything just felt like it was against us. Um, and it was just in the worst place possible, right in the middle of the expedition. And um, my I had a little in-reach uh, dotting where I was on the GPS that people could try and look at and that hadn't been working for a few days and suddenly we're just um there's jaguars nearby there's bushmaster snakes whistling at us everywhere so these bushmaster snakes whistle when they know you're there and that they're going to come and attack you and thinking back to what happened that day because we basically just encountered so many snakes and at the same time and i think we may have run into like a hunt uh, breeding ground or something or a nest um and we we ended up camping there <laughs> so it could have gone very very wrong very quickly um but uh we had uh, that night we had so many fires going because fires uh you know put off the animals the jaguars and the snakes so but boy it was a it was a scary night that was for sure these snakes whistling at you while you know that there's there's been two jaguars that you've seen <laughs> and uh um, yeah, no, I just kept putting more logs on that fire. And so you'll you'll have to uh, forgive my uh, wildlife knowledge, but bush bush snakes and jaguars would they go for you? Yeah, so bushmaster snakes are the most ferocious snakes that you can find. I there's very little about them on the internet at all, and I I kept thinking, well, maybe all these things that the Amerindians are telling me, maybe it's just myth and things like this because they talk about what well, they told me about the whistling and first I hadn't really heard of whistling snakes before um, they told me that they chase humans they actively chase them um, and they sleep under your hammock in the warmth and then strike when you least expect it and that they can outrun a galloping horse and so all of these things and of course that they're, they're poisonous so a, a bite from them will kill you um, and then of then we we hear the snakes whistle like mad and the whistling means that they know that you're there so stay away or they're coming to get you and this whistle is so so haunting it um i was hearing it for weeks after i got back <laughs> and um so i know that that's that's true but then i went and i did some proper digging and research to see if everything else they said um was right too and i did i found papers from like a really really long time ago um I think maybe 1902 or something like that. And it talked about how these snakes, you have to go very, very remote and you have to go very deep where there are no humans um, in the middle of the jungle. And these these snakes will actually chase you and they are, you must never go near them because they will, they will chase your scent and things like this. And they do have this whistle and the paper even described this whistle exactly how we heard it. Um, so it was amazing to think like there's, there's so much not on the internet it's nice and refreshing to know that as well <laughs> it's gonna say uh, for anyone who's terrified of snakes these stories will just give them nightmares and they are i mean especially when there's about 10 of them around you 
uh, we basically what had happened is we heard one and at 3 p.m in the jungle in that area we were always stopping stopping to get our hammocks up it gets dark at six that gives you enough time to sort of get everything sorted before it gets dark um, and also at three they kept saying oh the wildlife come out at three so you have to you have to stop and i thought okay a bit abstract you know, they can't tell the time and um there was one point where it was just so so dense jungle we were going down uh, a slope so we it wasn't a very good place to put up a hammock so we thought we'll push on we'll keep going until we can find somewhere suitable 3 p.m. on the dot, there's a, we spot a jaguar, and it's the worst place to see a jaguar. And then suddenly there's this whistle, and I don't know what the whistle is because you know we hadn't talked about you know how this would sound. And all the guys were absolutely terrified because um, they had told me when I asked you know what are you most scared about doing this adventure, and they said oh bushmaster, bushmaster snakes. Um, and they hear this whistle and they're looking terrified. And I even filmed it on my GoPro. And I'm, I'm like, what, what? And they said, Bushmaster, go. And so we are going as fast as we can in this dense jungle with a jaguar just by our side. And we go, go, go. And we can still hear the whistle. And then we hear a whistle in front of us as well, which is not what you want to hear because then you might bump into it. Um, and so we make the decision. We're just going to have to cause clear and make somewhere for hammocks. Um, so we all go out, out machetes and start trying to clear a space on this slope while these whistling um, snakes are going, and one of us is one of them is trying to get a fire going to put push them away. While he's doing that, he gets stung by a bullet ant, which is suppose you 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 know what a bullet ant is? <laughs> yeah, it's I, like I have seen a uh, an episode of someone being bitten by a bullet ant, and I, th- I think it's like. 10 hornets or something horrific like that it's um i mean i know someone i mean this may be an exaggeration but he's a quite a serious guy and he's he was blown up in the military once and he said being stung by bullet ants was um worse so <laughs> i think <laughs> the pain is just very very um in one area and just yeah. feels like it's absolutely on fire and it also gives you a fever for 24 hours so it really like just does no good for you at all so we got one man down. The other guy goes to see what he's up to. He gets stung by a bullet ant as well. So now two men down. Um, these snakes are still whistling around us. And these two guys have gone to their hammocks. They've got a fever. We're trying desperately to try and get all these uh, fires. And um, yeah, no, it was just, it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, it's, literally, it's just up to us to make this get us through the night um but it was really the worst place to encounter all these things but the perfect place for bushmasters apparently is um right as far as way as, as far as way as they can from any any civilization well i'm sure anyone who's listening will just be like why or what motivates you to go back <laughs> i know it is weird isn't it i i when i tell that story i think well, why but um I, there was an amazing thing that happened after that night and that morning. We as a team really bonded and trusted each other um, because we'd got through this sort of thing that sounds like it's from a horror movie. And it just felt like, okay, if that's happened and we're okay, then we can do this. Um, and yeah, there are things that I'm, you know, out of my control and they're terrified of that I'm going back to. But I think um, I think I'll be okay. I hope. <laughs> I don't know. I, the the pros outweigh the cons. I suppose. Yeah. 
So what? Yeah. So other than the sort of bonding, what were the sort of moments which you look back on in such fondness? Um, I think it it really was those the moments I shared with the with the guys, but also the end <laughs> doesn't doesn't bode well when I say the end, but we had been in such like dark jungle the whole time and everyone told us that we couldn't do it. And, um, we came out and the finish point of this expedition, the sort of thing that marked it was this, um, big river. And we came out suddenly and out of this dark, dense jungle and this beautiful, beautiful site where all it's like, Oh, this is where all the wildlife is like the nice birds and fish are hanging out and some of the monkeys in the trees. And it just was like, oh. and there's this sense of relief, but also, um, pride, um, of feeling, Oh my God, it's, it's, it's over was, uh, was something that I haven't quite felt as much on other trips. And even though I've had other trips that have been so much longer, um, and, in a way more difficult but this one just had something about it that felt very especially for me who hadn't had so much experience in the jungle um that just felt very special really <laughs> wow what a story such a hostile environment and then coming through at the end yeah no i it is the jungle is a hostile environment um, but I'd hate to be the person who puts anyone off going there. So I think... <laughs> no, no, I'm sure, I'm sure you've really sold it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. No, it is amazing. And I mean, everyone wants to go to the jungle. I feel like everyone does. Um, you've got this picture in your mind of what it's going to be like, don't you? And I'll tell you, it's not like that most of the time unless you're doing a river, river journey. Um, it's on the rivers, I think, you see the most beauty. Um, but if you want some hardship, then go by foot. Yeah, me, me and my sister um, went to La, La Tissier in Colombia. Okay. And uh, we were there trekking through for three days in the Amazon. And it is truly spectacular. It's such an amazing place and it's just so diverse. Absolutely. And you, you realize all these things that you just had no idea existed. So did you encounter any... Sort of big wildlife or mammals while you were doing it? Only, um, I suppose our biggest memory that we take from that trip is the tarantulas. Yeah. Which which yeah. were, I can't describe, but it was about the size of someone's head, if not bigger. I mean, are they, for, are they for the, the video, Goliaths? I, I mean, it was so big and I was brushing my teeth um, and suddenly just above my head is this giant tarantula and i'm not even scared of spiders but for that moment i could not speak oh i i know i know i feel you don't worry <laughs> the uh, um they may i don't know if it, it might have been what i'm thinking of a type of spider called the goliath bird eater is that what it might have been it could well have been i mean it was the enormous like as big as your head like you're saying it's just it's amazing they actually they actually catch birds obviously like, i mean please in the name but yeah scary yeah well there's a part of the show where we ask the same five questions to each guest each week um with the first is what's on your trips what's the one thing or item that you bring with you every time this sounds so wrong when i say it but i'm going to say it anyway because i have a reason um but it is 
the trusty, I know you're meant to get away from technology when you go away, but the iPhone as a camera, I always take, and it sounds like an awful thing to say, because um, I should be saying something like a knife or things like that, but I love taking uh, the iPhone um, as a camera and as a video camera. If you really look after it, you put it on your airplane mode and like that, you can fit it in any um, clothing so easily. And it just means, I mean, I love big cameras as well, but you're going to just capture those moments that you might not capture otherwise. And I, I find it very special to be able to save moments and share them um, and look back on them afterwards. So I, I always take always take my iPhone as a form of memory memory holding, memory locking. Yeah, it's it's a very sort of easy thing to just suddenly whip out if you need to capture a moment. Yeah, and um, even in the freezing cold, like if you do um, switch it off at night and put it in your sleeping bag and just really, really look after it and just a simple battery um, can charge it. So uh, yeah, I, it's definitely underrated for that stuff. <laughs> um, what's your favorite adventure or travel book? Um, I actually did a video about this a few weeks ago. My favorite one is Mad, Bad and Dangerous to Know uh, by Randolph Fiennes. Uh, because as a book of adventures go, it's got so many, so many adventures. Like you, you do realize why he's called the greatest living explorer um, once you've read that book. And, you know, that he's, he's named that for a reason. So it's definitely worth a read. It's insane, all those, all those stories. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's definitely good. Why are adventures important to you? Um, adventures to me do a few things. I think on a personal level, they help. They, I, I know that they actively help me grow my character each time. And I feel like I become a better person, not just for myself, but for other people afterwards. Um, so that's something I really love about it. But I also love the feeling it gives you. Um, I love feeling vulnerable in a world that sometimes you feel that we don't get often enough. I think we should feel vulnerable um, and we should realize how beautiful this world is. Um, and so by feeling vulnerable and being in these big landscapes is something that I uh, feel very special to experience as much as I can. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. It's sort of the idea of putting yourself out there and showing vulnerability is sort of what I always think helps you grow. Definitely. And knowing that it's not all about you. You know, you don't matter at the end of the day um, <laughs> in the terms of the world. So yeah, just, you're, just know you're very what, insignificant. Yeah. And so just appreciate the time that we have now. Uh, make the most of it now because honestly it does the world doesn't care if you live or die so make the most of what you what the time we have <laughs> very true what's your favorite quote um am i allowed to they're by the same person yep you can get <laughs> um i've got uh, they're both by amelia Earhart. okay um and the first one is i have to get these right adventure is worthwhile in itself which i think is um, a very good thing you know I think it's always good to have adventure with purpose, but don't don't forget to always do adventures, even if that's what you really want to do. So don't let it hold you back. Um, and the other one is the most effective way to do it is to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that mean, just means go out and do it. Just go and start. Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, sort of spend so long trying to plan this or and they... 
they sort of get overwhelmed by the sort of I don't know how to sort of say it. Um, they sort of get overwhelmed by how much stuff might have to go into it. But actually, most of my trips is literally just putting something in a bag and just going for it and figuring yeah. it out later. Yeah, and although as soon as probably you're in the Arctic, it. that's not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, but as as long as you've said yes to it and you you know something's happening, then you're going to make it work because none of us want to not make it work. So you will put in place the things. Um, and then you've already, you've already done the hard work because you've said yes. I think on episode four, we had Geordie Stewart. And one of those were make a financial commitment. Yeah. Um, that's always a good way to motivate yourself. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. People listening are always keen to travel and go on these grand ex- expeditions. Uh, what's the one thing you would recommend for people to get started? Um, I suppose it links back to the last question. It's just to just to start. Um, don't let other people's negativities or worries get in the way. Um, listen to them, but trust yourself. And um, if you want to do something, then you're the best person to know to do it. And if you need a bit more inspiration and motivation, then um, use yourself as that. Uh, and so be your own inspiration, really. So go and go and do it. Very good. Um, <laughs> what are you doing now and how can people follow your expedition in the future? What am I doing now? Well, now during lockdown, I'm home, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> um, but I am meant to be guiding some Arctic expeditions um, in the spring. So who knows if that will happen. But if anyone wants to join me on any Arctic expeditions, then you can get in touch with me on any social media website. But um, currently I am making YouTube videos and um, sort of trying to make adventure more accessible and give some tips and tricks for anyone starting out, but also hopefully provide some insight for those who are seasoned adventurers or just the armchair adventurer as well. So you can um, find me on Lucy Shepherd um, and my website is lucyshepherd.net and all the, all the normal social media is Lucy Sheps. Amazing. Um, and I suppose everyone listening is wondering what's next? What's next? Well, I hope, 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 hope it will be the Arctic in a few weeks, um, taking some guests out there. And then after that, it will be the big expedition that I have planned for autumn in the jungle. So um, fingers crossed, we shall see how, um, how the world pans out until then. Did you say the Arctic in a few weeks? Yeah, so I'm meant, I'm meant to be going out there in March and April. <laughs> so. <laughs> It doesn't doesn't look too promising, does it? But... No, I was going to say. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm optimistic. <laughs> My God, um, yeah, that is very optimistic. It is. Well, maybe looking April. At, I, I'm Come looking on. at May and I'm being like, mm, oh, don't good. do that to me. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I'm I've got all my fingers crossed. I'll swim there if I have to. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way. So. No flights, just swim. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Uh, that could be a that could be an adventure in itself, I think. That or a death wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to your stories and especially trying to inspire people to go to the Amazon rainforest. I think you uh, certainly did that. I don't know if I did that or put them off, but we'll see. <laughs> I'll be following your trip when you eventually go and can't wait to see the videos that come out on youtube yeah thank you very much next time on the modern adventurer podcast 
the harder I worked, the luckier I'd get. And I think that's true in some, some instances, but also sometimes failure is completely inevitable. You know, it doesn't matter how hard you work, the mountain doesn't give a damn, and COVID doesn't give a damn about all of our plans. And it's being able to reframe failure and think, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I use this experience to come back stronger? So after a bit of sulking, you know, you take responsibility and then uh, another year of training, another year of fundraising, I went back to Everest in 2015. And this time we were on the same team, same format. And then we were in the Kumbu Icefall, which is just above base camp, moving to camp one for the first time. And the earthquake hit Nepal. So we were in the icefall, about 6,000 metres, when the ground started shaking. We got hit by a big powder avalanche. Thank you for listening. You can watch the podcast on YouTube now, and don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter at zebraadventures.com. I hope to see you next time for another fascinating tale of adventure. But till then, have a great day, and happy adventures. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.